What if you could trust your employer and they could trust you? Seems almost like a radical thought, doesn't it? But humor me for a moment. Imagine working in an environment of authentic communication where you can be honest with your employer because they not only have the company's best interest in mind, they want the best for you as well. Our guest today knows this model all too well and it shows up in his leadership. I wish someone would come up with a new expression for win-win because it sounds so trite, but truly I, I think that has been the formula of, of our success. And I think about this concept of our career engagement program and trying to eliminate two weeks notice. That was just even again predicated on, hey, look, it's really bad for us when you give two weeks. It's tough for clients, it's tough for the team. So like, if you can come to us and have that honest discussion, we will give you several months. We'll help you find a new job. It's honestly, it's better for you. It's better for us. Like, how can we find a real, you know, mutually beneficial outcome in, in this? That's Robert Glazer, the founder and chairman of the board of Acceleration Partners, a partner-focused affiliate marketing company with a global reach. He cares about the truth, speaks about it, and acts on it too. Robert is a leader who always seems to be ahead of his time. Whether it's creating his own college major or discovering the value in affiliate marketing, Robert is not afraid to innovate and disrupt the norms. On this episode, we discover the roots of Robert's entrepreneurial spirit and learn how he and the Acceleration Partners leadership team have crafted an environment that fosters trust and what Robert calls respectful authenticity. I'm Jeremy Bergeron, head of strategy at mission.org. Welcome to Business X Factors. Each week, we'll take a look at the secret sauce that takes companies to some of the highest levels of success and then unpack how they got there. We'll explore how these organizations are run, what's special about the people, culture, and processes that make it all happen. question for you. What do you think is the best use of technology? Our friends at Highland believe technology is about transforming the way we all work so we can be more informed, empowered, and connected through every interaction and in every relationship with everyone we serve. Highland is your X factor for better performance. Go to highland.com forward slash insights to learn more. That's H-Y-L-A-N-D.com slash insights. A certain narrative can be written about us when we're young that's not quite accurate. This can have a profound impact and cause us to initially question ourselves. Oftentimes, we have to rewrite our story to one that better aligns with who we really are. I think the desire to do things and improve things definitely comes from feeling being an underachiever early in my life. Like I, I was a entrepreneur, creative kid, traditional school environment. Every report card was like, he could do better. He seems smart. He's not interested. He seems capable. I, I think it's a common story where I was just bored and I wasn't interested. And that sort of builds up and gets on you always being told that you're not doing very well. And so I think I've probably over-indexed on trying to make up for, for time on that. Home life for Robert was an environment where traditional educational achievements were expected, but creativity and freedom were also encouraged. 
Robert struggled a bit in the structural confines of the traditional education system, though in his college years, he began to reap the benefits of autonomy. It wasn't until college and I really, actually right when I got done with my prerequisite and I could take the classes that I wanted to take and I started getting A's and everything because I was interested and I liked it. I really can't pretend to like something I don't like. Like whether that's a person or a class, I don't know, maybe that's a bad quality. I think it's kind of an authentic quality where I just can't fake it. I can't fake interest in something. For me then it was like, oh, I like learning. In college, Robert ran with the idea of self-directed learning choosing to study business and industrial psychology, two areas that have served him well in his career. I actually made my own major because I didn't like the traditional one. I had to go through this whole process. And I always say like the business fundamental stuff was interesting. I was able to leverage Wharton when I was at Penn, but the industrial psychology and team stuff up until my company now growing from one to 300 people, I have worked for sequentially smaller companies. Like Actually, the industrial psychology and team dynamic stuff was the stuff that I just found fascinating in my work, particularly a service business. It's all people. If anything ever breaks in our business, it's not a widget. It's not an assembly line. It's not a production line. It is a human issue with a client, with an employee, with a partner, with an investor, with a stakeholder. I just find people dynamic stuff is just such a dominant thing in business. Robert made his way through college by creating his own path for success. But how does a self-guided learner get started in the business world? I went and worked in management consulting, you know, which I loved. And then I worked at an incubator venture fund. And then I decided I really wanted to get some operating experience. And I worked for a company that was kind of a struggle. Two, two of us joined the company and there were the two founders. And there was clearly this dynamic. It was a management team, but it was sort of like the founders and then the other two. And what I realized is I'm really good at growing companies and jumping into these things. But I had been doing this from the investor side, then from the company side. And I was like, look, my entrepreneurial frustration was showing up. I'm like, I want to do it this way. I know how to do it better. I remember one of my friends trying to recruit me to his company in California saying, if you don't do this, you'll probably be unemployable going forward. And and, and he just meant it was probably going to be my last job. And honestly, it was my last job before I did it. But eventually I was like, why am I helping other people do this? Why am I putting myself in this marginalized position of sort of helping other people with their businesses? But I like this high, fast growth stuff. This entrepreneurial spirit led Robert to found Acceleration Partners. So Acceleration Partners started working with all these companies that were growing really quickly on their strategy and their marketing. But I have three or four of them before I had any help. And I felt like as much as I loved that startup world, a lot of those started, they're terrible cultures. They're bad place to work. They're a lot of drama. So I was like, I'm going to insulate myself from this. I'll have four or five of these. And then, you know, you bring on someone to help and then we can do this work, but we're not, this isn't our company. I always thought I'd go join one of those companies. But as we built our company and our culture, it was like, we can be exposed to this level of work with a very different type of culture than these companies that we're seeing. In fact, I like how it sort of evolved, which is we're going to go play in that sandbox, but we're going to like have our own little (laughs) part of the sandbox. We don't have to live in that sandbox. So Robert's in the sandbox and building his own castle. But even if it's a very promising castle, constructing a business is never easy. We had a couple inflection points in the business. I had a couple points of burnout. The first where I was just doing everything and actually hired my number two, who's now the CEO, who was like employee number four or five to start sharing that burden. 
we put together this great board of people who shouldn't have wanted to be on our board and didn't even know what we did and probably never thought they'd make a dollar on it, but turned out okay for them. But I remember, you know, we were growing. We made some bad hires. We hit kind of our first speed bump. And we walked into this board meeting and we were just, our heads were down. This doesn't sound good at all. When heads are down, it's hard to see a path forward. Find out after the break what happens at this pivotal meeting. If you run a business, you have information. Loads and loads of information across different channels, systems, and silos. How can you connect the dots to make sure the right information gets to the right people who need it? Highland helps more than half of the Fortune 100 companies do just that by providing them with the tools they need to digitally transform and create more meaningful connections with the people they serve. Highland is your X factor for better performance. Go to highland.com forward slash insights to learn more. That's H-Y-L-A-N-D.com slash insights. We're talking about building a culture of trust and authenticity with Robert Glazer, the founder and chairman of the board of Acceleration Partners. Before the break, things were looking grim for Robert and his team. When we left off, they were standing in front of the board, seemingly deflated. Again, if you've ever had a really bad hire or management hire, it just can take the wind out of your uh, sails. And at the end of the meeting, we were like, we just don't think the market's any bigger. And, and they were just basically like, get off the floor and dust off your pants, you babies. And, and like, they're like, you guys always walk in here with a ton of plans and swagger and you just sound defeated. Go like dust yourself off. And we did that. And we started to think a lot bigger and we, we got through the hiring and we fixed those mistakes. Roberts learned a lot about having an effective hiring process. I'm a big believer in Jeff Smart and his work on who on this. He's the best in the world on this. Most of what companies do in interviewing is not statistically valid in any way. It has no better than 50% probabilities. Asking people crazy questions and hypothetical stories and where do they see themselves in five years? Oh, I see myself doing this and that. Okay, great. That person's been saying that for five years. Or they say they want to be a cheetah, the animal. Like, well, how do you know people didn't say leopards? I mean, it's just not statistically significant. And so there's so much bias in hiring that the only thing that works is a super repeatable system. The interviewing process, according to Robert, must also be owned by the people who will be working intimately with the potential hire. I actually stopped interviewing all people early on because our core value of own it. If it's someone from my team or an executive level, I should interview them. Other people should own their interviewing to, to our core value. So I actually don't jump in and interview and all that stuff, but I tinker with the process. Creating questions to understand behaviors of potential employees seems a lot better than learning about the animal that they'd like to be. Though ironically, I do like to think of myself as a cheetah. One of the things was we had behavioral-based questions for all our core values, and I thought that was pretty cool. And then I was telling one of our coaches, yeah, we've got behavioral-based questions for all our core values. He's like, how do your interviewees know a good answer from a bad answer? I was like, good point. <laughs> so everyone turns the qualitative answers into numerical numbers so that when you make sure that what you're seeing shows up in the data and scorecards. And so we went and said, look, this is what a one answer sounds like, and this is what a 10 answer sounds like. So now even less subjective. 
Certainly, adjusting hiring procedures has been important for the success of Acceleration Partners. Additionally, the company has been ahead of the curve in a couple of key areas. First of all, Robert and Acceleration Partners have understood the value of affiliate marketing all along. Look, a lot of us in this industry for 20 years, like I've been, or 15 years, like we pinch ourselves in terms of it was a little like Rodney Dangerfield, can't get any respect. Because it was misunderstood, it was maligned, like a few bad marketers and affiliate marketing gave it a bad name. To me, that's like saying, oh, digital marketing's bad because there's some ad fraud, right? I mean, it's a very generic comment to make. The concept of paying for outcomes or paying for performance has always been good. But now as the whole world wakes up to using software to track partnerships, the industry sort of evolves from affiliate marketing into this bigger partnership marketing who is actually going after the entire industry of business development and how to make that scalable in software, kind of like we had marketing automation and sales automation. Now it's this huge movement of partner automation. So I, I can tell you, after fighting for a seat at the table and respect and whatever for years, like we actually now are right in the middle of, of I think, one of the fastest growing industries in, in marketing customer acquisition. And that's fun. It, 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 <laughs> I feel like we got invited up to the driver's seat. So we've obviously tried to lead that and shift that. And we've been, our books and stuff have been talking about this shift for years and telling people it's coming and now it's here. The entire world is just now realizing what Acceleration Partners discovered 10 years ago, the benefits of remote work. I think for years, we almost, I say, we had to like hide that we were remote. <laughs> like when we were working with these brands, like we tried to downplay it. We said we were distributed, like all of this stuff. And, and then pandemic hit and people were asking me to speak and write books. Helping others increase their leadership skills and create a good culture has been a key component of Robert's work and that of Acceleration Partners too. I used to give a presentation on how to build a world-class company culture, even though we're remote, right? And then it was like, how do you build a world-class company culture in a remote world? And the principles were the same. The foundations were the same. And I said, look, let's think about two companies in 2020 that had to go remote with no practice in the first time. Company A, which we'll call Jeremy's company, they have a, a clear core values, great management team, a lot of trust, good communication, clear metrics, outcome orientation, all this stuff, and they have to go work at home, like that, that works pretty well. Company B, my company, we have no core values, we have no clear kind of shared goals and, and metrics. We have a bunch of micromanagers who are used to like controlling people that they can see in front of them, low trust environment. We have to go remote overnight. Like how does that work? Not very well. Your company has a robust onboarding program. Mine has none. So I just, I saw a lot of these threads of, look, a lot of these things are just good company principles. Someone just was telling me a new employee, their old boss around that they had their employees have to keep their Zoom on all day long while they were working. I'm like, there's something wrong with you if you need that. Like, that is micromanagement. Like, there's not healthy in any way, shape, or form. Like, imagine what that person is like to work for in the office if that's what they're making people do outside the office. Hopefully, your employer is not requiring you to be on Zoom all day long to watch you. Even more so, we all hope you are not that boss. If you are, you can change. As bizarre as that story is, it does bring up some importance around trust. How can trust really be established at a company? It was one of the Cubbies. It might have been Steven or his son, but it was 
The trust is character plus competence. Someone can have high character, but if they're always late and they're always missing deadlines, like we don't trust them, right? And, and the excellence is really the competency. Robert is referring to best-selling business author Stephen M. R. Covey, who wrote in his business article, How the Best Leaders Build Trust, that, quote, the first job of any leader is to inspire trust. Trust is confidence born of two dimensions, character and competence. Character includes your integrity, motive, and your intent with people. Competence includes your capabilities, skills, results, and track record. Both dimensions are vital, end quote. I think people focus a lot on their product, the thing that goes out the front door, but like all of those doors are important. So I would be mortified if I ever saw a candidate said, I interviewed with this company and I never heard back. We have standards and protocols. Like you follow up, you decline in 24 hours. Like we never leave anyone hanging. Now I'm sure we've dropped some balls, but that wouldn't be okay. We wouldn't be defending that. We screwed that up. That, that, that shouldn't happen. I think if you have people that are high character and high competence, I think you will have trust. And Look, trust is is also that sort of high competence comes into play early on, right? Because very early, you either build up a surplus or a deficit. You miss the first deadline, you miss the first thing, like you're working out of a a, a hole. And, and so we're very cognizant. Like with our clients, we have a, uh, inspired by Joey Coleman and his kind of never lose a customer system. Like we have like a hundred day scripted out process that every client goes through. Like they could not be angry without running into a checkpoint of the director of client service or myself. Like it's all who checks in after J1030, all this stuff is happening. Like it's a repeatable thing to make sure that nothing falls through the crack in those first 30 days where you're building that trust. Trust is integral in relationship building with customers and employees too. For employees, it's about leaning into honest and sometimes challenging conversations. People aren't going to work here forever, but we're still playing this thing where we all pretend and lie and we have a productive alumni group. So we've said to people, look, if we're concerned that you're coming up to the end of what we need, we're going to have a discussion and we're going to give you time and a transition period. And again, you can come have that discussion with us and you can explore. Is there, before you go looking for a job, is there a different role internally? Should I do something else? And we will, you will never be walked to the door and it'll be a very safe conversation. And one of my core values is respectful authenticity. And so I think that's a driver of like, can't we all just have real honest conversations and be respectful and do these things at the same time? Respectful authenticity. This core value guides Robert. It serves as a guardrail, directing his conversations and decisions. What if more leaders led from this position? How could this value influence the next generation of leaders? Learning how to lead, I think, led to my biggest contributions and the ability to both improve my life, business, by doing that, other people's lives, create new leaders. And I just think that I've had some bad leaders. I've had some really good ones, probably more in the first bucket than the last bucket. But when you have those really good ones, it's just such an uplifting thing in your career and your life. I've just come to believe that I think leadership is a major tool for improving both personal and professional you know, livelihood. And so to the extent that we're able to organizations and create you know, better leaders, then we have happier employees, just better people going home as parents and spouses and, and children and, and all those things. Truth builds trust and organizationally, this trust often translates into healthy, thriving cultures where even the most difficult conversations are possible.
Stephen M. R. Covey explained the cost associated with the lack of trust when he wrote in his article that was mentioned earlier. Quote, when trust is low, in a company or in a relationship, it places a hidden tax on every transaction, every communication, every interaction, every strategy, every decision is taxed, bringing speed down and sending costs up. My experience is that significant distrust doubles the cost of doing business and triples the time it takes to get things done, unquote. Where a lack of trust has costs, authenticity has tremendous benefits. Robert has lived this authenticity in his own life, and now this conviction is stitched into the DNA of Acceleration Partners. Robert wouldn't have it any other way. I don't know about you, but when I have a decision to make, I look for information. I may look through emails, documents, photos, and files in multiple places. And if I'm lucky, I find what I'm looking for. So it's amazing to me that while I have trouble finding a single file, some organizations' success hinges on making sure that the right people can get all the right information they need when and where they need it. Like hospitals, insurers, banks, and all sorts of businesses. I don't know how they do it, but our friends at Highland do. Highland empowers more than half of 2020 Fortune 100 companies with tools that help make sure the right information gets to the right folks easily and automatically and makes business processes smarter and more efficient. Highland is your X factor for better performance. Go to highland.com forward slash insights to learn more. That's H-Y-L-A-N-D.com slash insights. You've been listening to Business X Factors, created by our team here at mission.org and brought to you by Highland. Are you enjoying this show? If you are, I would be so grateful if you took a minute, rated and reviewed us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, as this helps ensure that more listeners like you find the show and then lets me know how I'm doing. If you enjoyed this episode and you wanna dive deeper into the topics that we discussed, be sure to check out the resources section of our show notes where we've included helpful links, articles, and books, including any stat or stories referenced in this episode. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Jeremy Bergeron, and I'll catch you next time on Business X Factors. Business X Factors.